The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of WABC Radio. A brand new sound for your Sunday morning. Introducing the Reverend A.R. Bernard of the Christian Cultural Center. And Rabbi Joseph Potasnik of Religion on the Line. Now, now on 77 WABC, the Rev and the Rabbi, where faith matters. Good morning and welcome to the Reverend Rabbi. I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. And you know, uh, our players go out uh, this week for Tiger Woods, man. You saw the accident that he was in. The car looked terrible. And yet, you, uh, um, you know, he's in surgery, and his ankles, I understand. But this guy has had one challenge after another in life. Yeah. Look, you remember... Growing up, whenever we were in an accident, what did our parents say to you? Are you okay? I don't care about the car. I want to know you're okay. And, uh, you know, hopefully he will regain all of his strength and return to a normal life. But that is one frightening story. And uh, it was an accident. And, you know, it... it, it yeah, you know, and I'm glad that they clarified that because you, you tend to get marked for life when you've had one particular situation... Uh, that people know you by. So the first thing yeah. is, oh, well, was he drinking, you know, right, right. drugs, you know, uh, as yeah. opposed to it was an accident. So I'm glad that they came yeah. out and clarified that right away. Look, I, look we right. all love a good comeback story. And, you know, Tiger Woods is a comeback story again and again. Yeah. We're all rooting for yeah. him. And now that he was coming back very well, now it's going to take, they say, some seven to eight months just for him yeah, to well, for- Rev, you know what it impresses upon us? The fragility of life. That we have the moment, but we don't know, you know, what happens the next moment. And therefore, we have to be grateful for what we have as long as we have it, because we can lose it very quickly. And I see people who, you know, are the pursuit of wealth. And once they acquire wealth, they have health issues. And then they use all the wealth they acquired to try to regain their health. So let's be Let's uh, be cognizant of what's important in our lives, what we, the blessings we have, and to maximize those blessings as long as we have them, because they certainly I think you, can be taken away I, I think very you, quickly. I think you snuck one of my sermons in there. I did a sermon and it simply said, be happy with what you have while you pursue what you want. And well, that person, that person took it from me. You know? <laughs> it's made his rounds. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rabbi, I'm going to bring it up. Michael Chang, yeah, SNL. Listen, you know, um, what's, what's, where do we go with so that? There's, so there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of controversy. But Michael Che of Saturday Night Live, who made a comment uh, trying to be funny. Uh, many of us felt it wasn't funny. It just fueled further prejudice when he said uh, that, the Jew, the, the, the end of it was the Jews are taking care of the Jews in Israel, not anybody else. Look, I appreciate humor, as I'm sure you do and many others do. I don't appreciate humor that deprecates the integrity of a people. And by the way, it's not just about Jews. I would be insulted. I would be incensed um, if he did it about another people saying something derogatory, uh, something that diminishes, you know, the value of people. If he made fun of slavery, uh, I would be furious. So you, you have someone who made a comment. You have a reaction. Uh, I, I know uh, 
I've, I've heard uh, Sid Rosenberg at ABC talk about, you know, demonstrating in front of uh, the NBC station. I've heard other people who've been writing letters and making all kinds of pronouncements. Uh, what we did at the board is we put in uh, a letter to the executive of Comcast and said, we want to have a conversation. We want to talk to you, you know, because I think when something like this happens, you want to at least have that civil, serious uh, discussion so that people hear what you thinking, you hear what the other side says, and then you come to a resolution. Um, that, to me, is a, is a, a beneficial approach. So, wait no, to no, hear. No. Yeah, I was just going to say, but you, you and I had a guest on our program, and we were talking about the issue of vaccines and the Palestinians. And I think that's immediately what comes to mind with a comment uh, like the one that Michael Che made. And, and, and look, you know, they... They get together. They write. They, they script these uh, these shows. They agree uh, uh, on what's going to be said uh, as, and presented as a joke. But does it relate in your mind immediately to the to the Palestinian Jewish relationship in Israel? Well, what happened is, you know, we had the consul general on the and he was very clear in why we have the differences of you know Israeli Arabs are being vaccinated. And as I said on the air, you walk into any Israeli hospital and you will see people of all different backgrounds, Christian, Muslims, Jews, everyone treated the same. You'll see doctors of different backgrounds. The Palestinian issue is something that has a certain distinction. There was an agreement. The Palestinian Authority would negotiate on behalf of the Palestinian people. The Palestinian Authority uh, would seek to find uh, its needs uh, through world sources, the World Health Organization, other bodies, and it would also help if the Palestinian Authority would communicate better uh, with the Israelis and not, not always see the Israelis as the adversary, but maybe as an ally. We're living, you know, in the same area. So there has been that problem of communication. Um, you also have in Gaza those who threaten to destroy you. Uh, it's in their charter. So, you know, when you look at it, you have to make the, the differences, and you also have to understand the background. You know, the New York Times had an op-ed piece. New York Times had an op-ed piece, how Israel is not, you know, providing. And it was refuted, but not in the New York Times. It was refuted in other papers. And I, and I just don't understand why you don't get the opportunity, why you don't get the opportunity to express the other side in the same paper. If, if it's a paper of record, give both sides a chance to talk right. and let people right. know. And, and, and unfortunately, with Michael Che, the other part of it is, you know that many people get their primary news from different programs. And I guarantee you that some people listen to Saturday Night Live and get their news there. They don't go to the You're primary absolutely source. absolutely right. Uh, and this generation, the millennials, uh, because of their disillusionment with uh, mainstream media, they turn to comedy shows uh, that is a mixture of news and entertainment or getting their news as entertainment. Especially you know, with late late night talk shows. So yeah, you're right. Did anyone you know who's reached out to him? Remember when the thing happened with Nick Cannon and right. uh, he and a rabbi sat down and had a conversation. Right, right. Cannon well, sort we, of we, understood better yeah. the context. Yeah, we we reached out. We reached out to you know a major uh, executive in Comcast. We'd love to have a discussion with Michael Che. We'd love to have a discussion with you know uh, Lord Michaels or anybody else at Saturday Night Live as to. Boundaries. Do you remember when they went after David Patterson and they made fun of him? It was deprecating humor because he's visually challenged. 
and they later apologize for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah. I think all of us have to learn in life that we live with boundaries. It's not say anything you want, do anything you want. There are restrictions. There are you know moral restrictions. And I think in the world of comedy, that applies as well. So should we talk to Michael Che? Absolutely. Should we have a... He, he needs to be on the Resident Rabbi show, talking to you yeah. and I. I you know, would hey, welcome Rabbi, that. You, you work on that? that. Yeah, See, yeah. you're more connected yeah. than I am. So, you know, you can just pick up the phone and make a call. That's true. I'm glad you recognize that power. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, 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 it's unfortunate because with all of the issues that we need to address today, there are other... There are other matters that, that warrant our attention. Uh, so this is an unfortunate, uh, you know, situation. It shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. And now, of course, you ask, how do you deal with it? Once it happens, how do you deal with it? And I think our approach of trying to sit down and, and, and discuss it with the other side, I think that's a very, very um, mature approach. But I don't, you know, uh, I don't deny the right of others to do what they think is appropriate. Um, you know, but you have to do what you feel comfortable doing. So let's see what happens. Let's see where this goes. I, I think that's, again, the importance of having religion in the public square. There are those who would like to get rid of us in the public square. But I, again, we bring a, a moral value consensus. You and I, uh, moving on to another subject, um, and let me just take a, a moment here to say that you're listening to the Reb and the Rabbi right here on 77 WABC. Um, you and I were talking about uh, signing on with regard to uh, an initiative that the president is pushing uh, on sexual abuse of children. Uh, exactly what is that about, Rabbi? Yeah, I'm looking at a letter here that is uh, being sent and be signed by religious leaders. You and I are part of this initiative. Mm -hmm. A World Day for Prevention and Healing from Child Sexual Abuse. And it's a recognition uh, that you have... Uh, one in 10 young people in the United States um, who will experience sexual abuse before their 18th birthday. Uh, that is disgraceful. That's something that warrants a, a loud outcry. So what we're saying to the president, let's have not just a day, but let's look at this problem uh, with an ongoing commitment that we have to do something about it. We can't let young people suffer uh, without support from us. There has to come uh, a time when everybody says, we will not close our eyes to your suffering, to your pain. So April the 8th is a day that's been designated. And uh, because uh, each year in April, the president issues a proclamation to announce National Child Abuse Prevention Month. But we're saying, let's have a day that really focuses more on preventing and healing child sex sexual abuse. I think it's a worthy cause, and that's why I'm willing to sign off on it. And Look, you know, I, protection of children has come a long way, especially here in the United States. We There was a time when we didn't have child protection laws, labor laws concerning children. You know, uh, it's just really, really important as we are a civilization progressing towards uh, a better quality of life for all, that we do everything we can to address the abuses. And this is one of them. You know, we talked and about you know, sex trafficking at one time and, yeah, and now yeah, uh, yeah. sexual abuse of children. Yeah, and by now, the way, there was, there was time ahead. we whispered it. Now at least we talk about it. And the letter will be signed by people of all faiths. This is our problem. This is not their problem. This is our problem. We're all, you know, uh, determined to do something about it in a collaborative, collective fashion. Right. Absolutely. 
So, Rabbi, uh, next on our agenda is we kind of warm up till we get to our guest, uh, uh, special guest today. Uh, and, of course, we continue to honor Black History Month. Uh, but uh, the governor's taken a lot of heat, and I know you, you, you and the governor are good friends, so um, I don't know if you, you shared that heat. <laughs> Not as good as you two are, but all right. Um, no, look, I, you know, I, I, one, of, one of the things we, we believe in is whatever the issue, put a, you know, sunlight is a great, was it, disinfectant? Uh, you need to look at, you look at the issues, and you need to address them. Uh, you can't hide things. The cover, you can't well, cover things. Look, up. you know, we we had a conference call with with, with the governor and you know, the clergy uh, in anticipation of the super vaccine sites in Brooklyn. We had it at Medgarabas College and in Queens uh, at York College, and the intent was to make. Uh, a large number of vaccines available to those communities, the surrounding communities of those sites who tend to end up at the short end of the stick. Uh, and they're looking, they were, they were talking about vac- uh, vaccinating some 3,000 per day at each site. And I, and I say that because it's important. You know, there's some 300,000 vaccines that are allocated, but 10 million people chasing those 300,000 vaccines. Yep. So if you don't do something to help those who tend to be underserved, you know, and, and address these inequities, it's problematic. So uh, they're beating up on them, but I've got to give them points for for taking a, a bold step to, to make that happen. You know? Yeah, and look, we get calls, you get calls from people saying, I can't navigate, you know, the Internet to get an appointment. I need help. Um you know, I can't give up a whole day's work to go down to the Javits Center. I need more accessibility. So these are issues that, uh, again, uh, faith community uh, is working together uh, to see that we have maximal number of doses, uh, which we're, we're not getting uh, yet, but to see also that people who are able to get them do get them. So yeah. uh, that's a partnership that uh, hopefully will translate into success. We have a great guest today. Yeah, a great right. friend of ours, and also uh, someone that we've had the opportunity to mentor um, and speak into his life, uh, and very proud of him, his accomplishments, who he is. You know, you talk about interior and exterior life, but not just who he was on the court, but off the court. The man, Alan Houston, a set of values. Number 20. Uh, a faith <laughs> that right. he held dear to and that really guided him throughout his career. Uh, so he'll be coming up next, right? And I as we continue, I'm sure we're going to learn you the best right here on, uh, you know, the name of the show, Rabbi. The Rev and the Rabbi. I got him to say Thank the you. whole thing. Cool. We'll be back. <laughs> Stay tuned. Sinai Chapels provides compassionate care to New York's Jewish community. Conveniently located in Fresh Meadows, Queens, every funeral detail is handled by an attentive professional staff according to each family's personal and religious preferences. Sinai staff is at the chapel for you, 24 hours, 7 days a week. 
Sinai Chapels is committed to your health and safety and offers carefully planned and socially distanced services at their modern chapel or area cemeteries. Sinai has developed Zoom programs for live stream services, shiva, and consultation. Sinai Chapels offers pre-need plans to relieve families of making arrangements at a difficult time. Sinai's pre-need plans offer savings and are 100% government-backed. For more information, please call Sinai Chapels or visit jewishfunerals.com. That's jewishfunerals.com. Sinai Chapels in Fresh Meadows, Queens, providing compassionate care for four generations. Where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Tastic. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, I give you the honor of introducing our special guest today. Well, I, you know, how do you do that? Uh, I, I'm not going to read this long bio that we have here, but all I have to do is say his name, Alan Houston. And everyone knows exactly who he is. And we're going to dig into uh, uh, his life and all the incredible things that he has and continues to do uh, on, on many fronts. You know, Alan, uh, we're celebrating Black History Month. And, um, you know, we we want to have some thoughts on black history, what it means to you. So I guess that's a that's a good place to start. Well, uh, this is always an honor to be with you both. Um, you know, it's it's uh, to be able to have a conversation around just culture, values, society and history. It's it's. Um, I almost wish I could just sit and kind of listen. But I, I, I thank you for. You know, your mentorship, uh, Pastor Bernard and, and Rabbi, just always good to talk to you. Um, I, you know, for me, black history is is, is kind of world history. Um, I, I think it's American history. It's world history. I, I think of all the I, I just kind of always think about the source and you go back to the origin and all the, the, the wonderful civilizations of you know, African civilizations, of, of you know, in Egypt. And then you go to. Um, I, I'm kind of feel blessed to be, I would say, a survivor of so many Africans who have survived the Middle Passage and um, throughout the world. And, and then when I go to, you know, my grandparents who grew up in the South, um, Alabama, um, my grandfather ended up coming, moving from Alabama up to, to Tennessee, um, Alcoa, Tennessee. Um, and my father uh, became the first African-American head basketball coach at the University of Tennessee in the Southeastern Conference, which is a huge uh, milestone and a pioneer. He was the first uh, black scholarship athlete at the University of Louisville in basketball as one of the, class, one of the first class. Um, and so I just, I just think of... You know, I, I come from a lineage of, of educators, entrepreneurs, activists, coaches, athletes, and I think the the most important thing for me when I think of Black History is the the what what we're celebrating on this cause is, is faith and the 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 way that faith played a role in um, the hope, salvation, liberation um, of. Of a, of a people in such a suppressed and oppressed conditions, 
and came to um, to thrive and contribute to uh, the growth and health of, of, of our country and our nation and help uh, shape the identity, you know, of our nation. And um, I, I think I'm just, I feel privileged uh, and, and kind of have a responsibility to, to, to continue that legacy of, of my parents, but also, you know, so many who have survived and, and, and left the foundation. Um, and so, so I think of education, I think of, of faith, um, of culture, uh, and all those things that, that the, the blacks not only contributed to our country, but, but all over the world. I, I like the way you put faith, culture, values, especially value. You played in the NBA from what was it, ninety three to uh, yeah, two thousand five, right? Two thousand five, yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right around there. Uh, and you know, a stellar career, and now uh, general manager. Uh, but when you talked about your lineage, uh, it was not just athletes uh, in that lineage. Right. It was entrepreneurs. And, and too often, yeah. you know, the stereotype is that the only way you're going to make it as a person of color, especially a young black man in America, is if you uh, entertain or or play basketball yeah. or, but, or football. But that's yeah. not true, right? Yeah, I took that very t- – I took that to heart, you know, early on. You know, I had an uncle, my great uncle. And every time I would see him, the conversation always started with this. How's your English? And, you know, so for me, our our lineage and our heritage was always education first. And when you think about, you know, even stories like Spencer Haywood, right, who, um, you know, Spencer Haywood grew up uh, at, literally as a sharecropper and went to went on uh, to be in the 1968 Olympics, was a former Nick. But, you know, education, he... He he was the one. He was the first player uh, to beat the Supreme Court um, because back then you had to play four years of college before you, before you could enter the NBA. Well, he had a kind of a interesting story where he was going to junior college, uh, uh, and one of the owners um, wanted him to play in the ABA and said, "Come on!" And so he had to fight because the NBA told him he had to go back and play four years. Anyway, I bring that up is to say that. You know, education was such a big part of our, my, my family's upbringing and entrepreneurship. You know, being educated, having an opportunity to have long-term sustainable financial security and, you, and education was the way that, we, you know, athletes, you know, early on had to even have an opportunity. And so uh, I always look, you know, when, you know, when, I, when I'm walking around, and especially when I was younger, but especially now, um, when you're walking around and you notice that people will look at you in a certain way and, and say, well, he must be a basketball. I've heard it so many times. You must play. Who did you play for? You must play basketball. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, and that always bothered me because not just me, like, because, you, first of all, you're making that assumption. And, and the thing is, like, Pastor, it really wasn't their fault. It was just what society and what, you know, media and what everyone has told that person, right? right? And, and and I was always took it to heart that I, I did not want that to be the thing. So, um, you know, my father would always say, you know, watch your image and, you know, who, how you present it. And, and a lot of black, young black people are are chastised if they use correct English. And, and all these things just always kind of, really sat in my consciousness. 
That's interesting so, that you talk about that, Rabbi. You heard what he said that uh, if you were black and you use good English, you, yeah, you yeah. were chastised for using good English yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and being articulate. Let's talk about the role that faith has played in uh, in, in your life. I mean, you've got this basketball yeah. ability. You've got a family legacy yeah. of, of, of of education, entrepreneurship. But but faith is and, and and has faith always played a role, or was there a point in time where you made this transition to faith? Faith has always been um, a foundation in, in my family's background. I always heard, you know, how important it was to have a relationship with God from from early on, early I can remember and. You know, from my parents, my grandparents, always it was an intentional part of our life and our values. And, you know, growing up, growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, we would go to church on Sundays. I went to Greencastle Baptist Church. And um, I think when I when I was around a teenager going into about 14 and around 15, uh, you know, I was a good basketball player and I had had these, these seeds of faith being sown into me. But I, I felt the call to make a decision on my own to establish uh, a personal relationship with God. So I accepted the Lord Jesus, you know, Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 15. Um, and I just felt his presence, his call, his inclination. Um, and but after that, I, I needed more coaching discipleship, you know, in my spiritual walk of faith. Um, it had always been a part of my life, but I think it's, there's a journey. Um, and, uh, even though I was, had, had called myself a Christian, I, I needed more coaching and, and discipleship. It's almost like when you have a, I liken to being on a, on a team and not really getting playing time or knowing the playbook, <laughs> you know, and not, not having that time. And so I had someone when I got to New York named Charlie Ward who really, started to help me not understand what God's word really was saying. And, and so, yeah, it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's having a, an eternal uh, perspective. I, you know, I, I felt like I understood my identity, my purpose. Um, you know, uh, it, it allowed me to better manage relationships, especially with my wife when I got married. Um, and just be able to operate better in, in whole when you have that, um, strong relationship with God because he, you know, he wants you to come. He's inviting you to come and have that personal relationship. And when I did that, you know, it, it, and I, and I tell my kids a lot, like when you, if, when you, whether you're a teacher or your coach, when you go to them and you ask them, I need help. I need your advice. I need guidance. I need this instruction. They're going to give it to you. And so that's what the way God wants us to have that relationship and so faith allowed me to do that. And then this, you know, it's just always, you know, and I think there are times when, you know, you have doubts, you know, when you're playing, sometimes you miss some shots and you like starting to question, but you never question whether or not you're on the team or the coach. That, ask, that begs another yeah. question. And we've just got to go to a break for a moment. You're listening to the Rev and the rabbi right here on 77 WABC. And we're talking to our guest, Alan Houston. The rabbi and I will be right back after this break. Rev. Renee Augenard, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, The Rev and the Rabbi, where faith matters. 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. 
And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. So, Rabbi, I mean, our guest, Alan Houston, a stellar career in basketball, but his life is made up of so much more than that. Alan, before the break, we were uh, talking about, you know, faith and, and its role in your life. But look, you, you went into the NBA in 1993, you got married in 96, yeah. so there was a, at least a three-year period there where you were single. And, you know, sports yeah. can be a world of money and women and partying and drugs. Yeah. Uh, was it difficult to stay faithful to your faith? Absolutely. I mean, I think, again, when I when I made a commitment to, to you know, be a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, you, you, it's, there's still a process of growth, of maturity. And I experienced that, you know, uh, I got drafted in 1993 and, um, went to the Pistons, you know, fortunately for me, everywhere I went, it's almost like I placed someone in my life that could be there with me. Even in college, you know, I had a, 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 a teammate who ran track, who's part of athletes in action. And he would talk to me and, and help me and, you know, I still had this part of me that didn't want to fully commit. You know, I want to enjoy my time as a college, you know, student, hang out. Uh, when I got to the NBA, it was kind of the same. You know, I went to Detroit, Detroit Pistons, and I got to hang out with, you know, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas, and all these these players, and I was on my own. And um, and then I met, I met uh, my wife literally four months after I got to Detroit, and we became friends. You know, we didn't start dating until that following summer. Um, and then for those two years, you know, we dated and we got engaged, um, right before my third season. And, um, it, it was, you know, even during that time though, you know, you, I, I was considering myself a good person, but there was a lot of growth that I needed to, to happen in me, you know, handling relationships, ha- having, having that just in general. And, um, you know, you're 21, 22 years old, living this life and it's a challenge and I, and I, think that what has helped me is having someone like my father was great. People were great, but it's, you need someone who's living the same life that you are, but that can, but mm-hmm. can live it from that spiritual perspective. And so when I got to New York, that's what I got. I got kind of mentoring and coaching from people who were living this life and going through the same things. And I think that's extremely important. All right. So we're talking with Alan Houston, number 20 of the New York Knicks. And thank you so much, Alan. I guess after listening to you and your story and your love uh, of faith, I have no chance of converting you to Judaism. I think you've already uh, <laughs> you've made up your mind. Well, let me, let me I feel say like this. we're already, you know, adopted. We're just kind of adopted. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> that's a good way to put listen, it. We'll we'll take it. We'll we'll make it part of the extended family. <laughs> so, Alan, let me, let me say this. I was talking with Congressman Richie Torres, uh, who's African American, yeah. and talking yeah. about Black History, and he said, "Look." I grew up in NYCHA housing, and now I'm a vice chair of the United States Congress on the House uh, Homeland Security Committee. And what impressed yeah. me was that here's someone who not only spoke of the pain of the past, but the privilege of the present. And I, yeah. I think uh, we do ourselves a disservice. And I speak you know, for Jews, and I think for African Americans, if we only focus on uh, how much we suffered, and we don't mm-hmm. talk enough about how much we can celebrate because our young kids listening say, why would I want to be part of a people that only suffers? So I'm glad you spoke of some of the positive elements in your life. Now, now, Rabbi, you know, Alan talked about the tension between, you know, living his faith and living in a context that can engage in 
activities that uh, you know are antagonistic to the values that that faith gives you. Yeah. That doesn't happen yeah. in Judaism, does it? Well, you know what? I think all of us have to wrestle with that famous scene in the Bible of Jacob wrestling, you know, with the angel. We say that's wrestling with God, wrestling with your conscience. We all have choices to make. Uh, and Alan, I, I just, you know, the fact I listened to you before, uh, you know, answer some questions in the Rev, and I said, my God, he is so proud of who he is. He's so proud of, you know, the accomplishments of his people. And young people need to hear that. That's what that's what I yeah. need to be stressed. Right. I've been very blessed. I, I got to say, like, you know, one of the things that past and Pastor Bernard has been a mentor for, for years for me. And one of the things that that we often talk about is the, is the power of mentorship, power of, you know, building positive examples. Right. And especially as it relates to male figures in, in our community, because the reality is I I had I had an experience that. Uh, shouldn't be unique, but when I was growing up, it felt unique, you know. And it's, so, yes, while I can celebrate them, um, you know, a lot of people have their their perspective because of their experience, you know. And it's not that I don't think people want to celebrate um, the demise and the negative part of their heritage, but it's it's what they what they know when they fall back. So that's why, you know, we have to be good examples and, and, and try to be people, those who can point to what's possible um, through our faith and through our example. I mean, my father being the first black head coach and being the first black to come Louisville, you know, shares many stories of, of how he had to endure, you know, fights and he had white people who fought for him and mm -hmm. fought with him both sides. You know what I mean? So I think, um, you know, your perspective comes in, in various forms. Um, but again, I, I've what I've learned is that no matter what your background, no matter what you've been through, everybody goes through something. I mean, it's just the course of life. Everybody, you have to have, you know, adversity um, and, 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 and that's part of it. But I think what I've learned is is the values that you make intentional kind of carry you through and they help you to rise above your circumstances. Yeah, I think I, one, I was one of the things that Rabbi and I have learned, it's easy to get stuck in the past and that's where yeah. you live. And and, yeah. and when you live in the past only, you, you don't have a future. You've got yeah. to have a vision for no, the future. Right. We have to yeah. understand the past and learn from it, uh, but we should also be excited about the future and investing those lessons from the past into the future. My father taught me the importance, the, the, the importance of the word nevertheless. He said, learn that, learn the meaning of that word because you go through some challenging times, but nevertheless, you have to have a kind of belief in God, belief in family, and you will find you'll overcome some of those problems. And nevertheless, to me, yeah. is a, you know, an important part of religious vocabulary. Alan, no those are those what. sermons that the rabbi slips in on me every now and then in the broadcast. So I just wrote no. that down, and I know you wrote it down, and that's the sermon, yeah. nevertheless. Yeah, nevertheless, right. nevertheless. <laughs> Alan, I wanted to ask you this, and I asked this of, of another guest we had. How do we learn about one another? You know, black history is important, Jewish history is important, but very often it's only members of that community that pay attention to the narrative. And I think we would be much better to look at when we see the problems we have to confront today, the challenges, the threats against our lives. We, we're in this together. 
And if we don't stand together, yeah. we don't have a chance. How do we get? How do yeah. we get that stronger bond? I think that's why sports is so impactful because you 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 see the importance of team. You know, you're you're out for one goal and one mission, and that's to win. And I think that when you see sports, you see people of all different cultures, backgrounds, ethnicities, socioeconomic, you know, um, places in life. And when you do that, you truly can look beyond that because you, you, you start off us against them. And in the us, we might all be different and we're willing uh, to get past those differences. And, and you may not even have to get past them, but you just you discover them. And, and you learn. So the, the, the issue really is what situations can we embrace and invest in that, 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 and that force us to learn about each other and connect, you know, and, and these conversations are great. And uh, I think in 2020, a lot of the social unrest and injustice that happened, I think, has started to peel back some layers and onions you know, I mean, I mean, in in general, because from our, our history, um, you know, our identity as a country, and hopefully, you just you have to be intentional about having those conversations. Did you mentioned you know, it's so important what you're saying because uh, it's easy to go into a state of denial. There's a wonderful passage yeah. in the rabbi section of our book, uh, by the way, from the prophet <laughs> Jeremiah, and it says you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Right. I think yeah. what 2020 yeah. did was expose the fact that there's been a wound racially uh, in America that we yeah. you know, don't really want to talk about, have those hard conversations in, in, in a civil way. Uh, and and yeah. it's necessary. And that's what we try to do on the show. Yeah. Of course, you're listening to the Reverend the Rabbi here on 77 WABC. Our guest is Alan Houston. Uh, but Rabbi, uh, this is this is why we're here. This is what we do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, I was impressed before we went on the air, Alan mentioned his wife involved, I think, in a Bible study. And they're uh, yeah. one of the rabbis, right? I, I think in Stanford. <laughs> Part of that. Yeah, yeah right. so it was really amazing. So she told me that I'm doing, taking this spiritual class. Now, you know, you know, Pastor Bernard, when we hear, oh, well, your wife's taking a spiritual class, that's not something we use like in the Christian faith a lot, right? So I'm like, what do you mean a spiritual class? So she, 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 entered, she brings me to, to this meeting and this dinner, a wonderful group of people up in Connecticut, Stanford, Greenwich area, and I get a chance to meet Rabbi Daniel Cohen. And he has this book about legacy and like for me that's a, that's one of the strongest words you know when you right. talk about nevertheless I have five words that I always teach and I'll share that in a minute but you know he, I got a chance to, to sit and talk and I'm like man this is just a man, a great spirit so we talked on the phone a couple of times and, and, and literally the calls were just like this and he said you know what we need to kind of record these conversations so we literally did our first recording a few weeks ago and we have these things called rising higher because our whole thing was the same conversation here we we know that really is about how can we think higher live higher be higher than our circumstances and then what the world is telling us right now and what people are saying you know it's almost like this cloud of smoke that we want to kind of go over and and see from a higher perspective and view and and so we talked about last time we talked about where do you find faith? Where does it come from? And uh, and so but just hit, like listening to him and 
and and having these same conversations, I thought I think of you both a lot <laughs> because I look up to I look up to you both in having these conversations when we're having these conversations because a lot of people expect like Alan Houston and a rabbi talking like what? But but at the end <laughs> of the day, like it, it really is about those values yeah. and and where we find um, you know God in them and God is in all of us. You know, this has been a great right. conversation, Rev. I want to thank you for bringing Alan Houston uh, to the program today. Alan, I am a great admirer of yours, but I'll never forgive you for what you did to the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I knew it you would come up. You know, I I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving, but up to a point, Alan, and those shots you made from downtown, though, <laughs> were very hurtful. <laughs> but, you know, you're, yeah. you're a great talent, but you're a person who's done so much on the court and also off the court. And that's why, to me, you're one of the most respected figures today. So I thank you. Uh, for being on the program. Yeah. And, Red, I and thanks for accepting that responsibility, Alan, of being a role model, because some athletes don't want to accept it. Uh, they don't want to be held yeah. accountable. And, and yeah. you've done that so well. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate thank it. I think that's our job is just keep it, keep tell, tell, helping them know how. Sometimes you don't do it because you don't know how, but I do agree that some people just don't want that. But I, I really appreciate the conversation and always look forward to to. Them as well. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. Alan Houston. Uh, and there'll be more like Alan Houston coming on the Rev and the Rabbi show. Would you say so, Rabbi? Well, I, I, I have to call Larry Bird. I want equal time. Boston, How do we always make it back to Boston? What's the Let story? Let me tell you, greatness and goodness go together no matter what team you play for, no matter you know your your background. You can be great and good at the same time, and Alan is a great example of that. Thank you so Amen much. Amen to that. And we'll be back with more of The Rev the and the Rev Rabbi and right the here Rabbi. on 77 WABC. Reverend A.R. Bernard, Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik, where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik. I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. You know, Reverend, um, we look for role models in life. And you know how young people look up to athletes and other uh, popular figures. But it is so refreshing when you have someone like an Alan Houston who is so involved uh, in community, uh, in charitable causes, uh, in the study of faith, and also now studying faith with people of other faiths. So this is what you want to um, say to young people, that this, this, is a, this is a person for you to admire. This is a person for you to emulate. Um, he imparts that positive message, which I think is so, so needed today, because it's very easy to be a pessimist. It's true, I, I, and, I, and I appreciate the fact that he accepted the responsibility of being a role model. Whenever you step into the public arena as a public figure, right, people are watching. So whether you like it or not, that's the reality. You choose what you're going to model to those who are the onlookers, right? Yeah. Look, um, you know, the I think of the ancient uh, arc that was gold on the outside and inside because in life, the outside and inside should reflect one another. And I think when you're talking to an Alan Houston, you talk to some other people uh, who have those qualities, uh, you're talking to someone who is the same on the out and on the in. And in a world that's upside down, outside and inside is very important. So I'm very, very grateful. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, your interior life, your, 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 you know, your exterior life, 
those two things have to complement each other. Yeah. Right. And well, we've come to another to the close of another great program uh, here on the Rev and the Rabbi. And uh, we thank you for tuning in here weekly on uh, 77 WABC. And I appreciate you putting up with the rabbi every week after week. Uh, I'm still working on him. Just give me some time. <laughs> Don't give up. Don't, never Don't give up on Remember him. Remember that word, nevertheless. <laughs> Don't give up, Rabbi. Nevertheless, that's the sermon right there. Yeah. Uh, really, God bless. Thanks for being with us. Until next time, the Rev. And the rabbi. That was your cue there. Yeah, that's your cue. I got it. Mr. Q. All right, we'll try it one more time. The Rev and. The rabbi. <laughs>